The following is a presentation of Highlands Church, helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org. Thank you, Roy. And thank you, Roy, yesterday, and to all the steering team and staff members who are here. Um, we had a, a great day retreat, day-long retreat over in Cambria yesterday with the leadership of the church. And I think God was very gracious to us in allowing us to be in Cambria yesterday and not here. Uh, but I tell you, Caleb led us in some worship outside, and by 9.30, I looked, and everybody, almost everybody who'd started off in the sun had moved into the shade, and, and I said, we're going to have to go inside. So even at 9.30 in Cambria, it was scorching hot yesterday. Uh, but anyway, this retreat was great. It was a time for us to be together, pray, to think about how can God continue to help us reach the de-churched in our community? How can God continue to help us uh, lead people to becoming more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ? I think all of our heads are spinning because we talked about a lot. Um, we prayed a lot. And stay tuned because I, I really do believe God is going to do some exciting things in the coming months and years in this place. And please continue to pray for our leadership as, as they discern all of all the things that, that are before us. So yesterday was a big day for the leadership of our church. It was also a big day for my family because our chickens moved into their new home um, in our yard. And that, you may be thinking, that's not a very big deal. What are you talking about? Well, let me explain. This is our second set of chickens. Last spring, my wife Holland had always had this dream that we would have chickens with fresh eggs in our yard and that it would be a fun experience for our kids to have. And so we got chicks as babies and we raised them up to adulthood. And then uh, when the end of the summer came last year, this was when we were still in Idaho, when the end of the summer came last year, they started laying eggs and it was great. It was a wonderful experience. And then fall came and winter was approaching and we went, uh-oh, we live in the mountains of Idaho and we have this tiny little flimsy home for our chickens that will not survive the snow that's coming that sometimes can be several feet high. And our chickens will not survive in that cold. And so why we didn't think of this before, I don't know. But we went to my father-in-law, who is a builder by trade, and I, we went to him and we said, we don't know what to do. And so we took a few pictures that we'd given him of chicken coops, and then he designed the Taj Mahal of chicken coops for us. And, and he gave me this, this binder that was this thick, no joke, and it had step-by-step -step instructions. It had, every, it had pictures of every single thing that I needed to buy from Home Depot, framing angles and, and all sorts of things I'd never used before. And, and so when we got done with this thing, I looked at my family and said, if there's an earthquake, we're going in the chicken coop. <laughs> now, I'm not very handy, and so this process of building this chicken coop completely stretched me. I, I broke two saws in the process. I smashed thumbs and fingers. And please don't ask my family how I behaved when I was frustrated because I probably wasn't very Christ-like in those, in those moments of frustration in trying to build this thing. So now you understand a little bit of the, the history of chickens. And so when we moved back to California... 
and we had to leave our chickens and this coop up there because there was no way. We tried. There was no way we could get that coop. It weighs like 800 pounds. There's no way we, we could get it back here. And so leaving that was very difficult. So yesterday was a huge deal for us to get our chickens. And uh, they're not laying eggs yet, but hopefully by the end of the summer, they will begin to do that and we'll have fresh eggs. I shared all this with you because sometimes if you're like me and you don't know what you're doing, it's really handy to have instructions. Um, some men don't like to use instructions, but, but I find that I usually get myself into more trouble when I don't follow the instructions on things I don't know what I'm doing. And we started this series, this Finding Your Pulse series, five, six weeks ago. We started it by looking at a set of instructions. But it didn't come in a binder form. It wasn't this thick. It was really something that was contained in three verses in the Bible. They're the instructions that Jesus gave to his followers before he ascended into heaven. And those words are, I want to put those up now and just be reminded of what we talked about, these instructions that Jesus gave. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These are the instructions that Jesus gave to his followers. And by extension, these are the instructions that he's given to us. Have you ever asked the question, what's my purpose in life? Why am I here? Well, these verses that we just read give us some really compelling answers to those questions. It tells us that we are here to participate in the mission of God in this world, that we are here to embody the good news of Jesus in our words and our actions for the people and the communities around us. This is why finding your pulse is so important. If you miss out on the heartbeat of the church and what this mission is that God has given us, then you may fall into the trap of believing that there's something else that can provide that same sort of purpose in your life. Maybe you think it'll be found in some relationship that you think, boy, if I just had it, it would complete me. And um, like they say in the movies, That maybe you're searching for some sort of comfort or pleasure or some sort of accolades from other people, and you're trying to find these things that will give you your purpose in life. None of those things, though, can give you what God can give you. None of those things can give you the purpose that we find in these verses, the purpose that's found in living out the mission of Jesus Christ in our world. So in this series, Finding Your Pulse, we have been giving you some very simple ways that you can participate and live into that mission and that calling that we have. I want to quickly review what we've talked about so far because I don't want you to forget them. Whoa. (laughs) I thought there was like a hawk in here or something. So let me go through these. Um, We're going to find our pulse. We're going to remember what we've talked about. The the P in pulse, if you remember, it stands for pray. And I want to give you an image for each of these to just remember if you were here on those Sundays we talked about these things, and even if you weren't, an image to remember what these things are. When we talked about pray, the image is Moses standing on top of a mountain while there's a battle going on below him with his arms upheld. And as long as his arms were upheld, they were winning that battle. 
That's the image I want you to keep in mind. And when his arms began to drop, they began to lose the battle. And, and as you keep that image in your mind, it's a reminder that God hears us when we call out to him, that God hears our prayers and that our prayers are the most important thing that we can do if we want to share God's love. Pray for other people. Pray for our community. And pray for opportunities to share about God's love. Sometimes battles are won through prayer. The next one that comes up is the U, and that stands for unconditional service. And the image that I want you to have in your mind with this one is the image of a Samaritan man walking beside his donkey. And he's walking beside his donkey because the man that he picked up on the side of the road who was beaten and bruised is riding on the donkey. And and the Samaritan man is taking him down the road to safety. And this image reminds us that through unconditional service, through serving people without asking anything in return, we communicate a lot of things. We communicate to other people their value before us and to God. And we also communicate God's love in ways that our words just can't do. Next, we talked about the L, which is for listen. And the image that I want you to remember from that week is one from the 21st century. Uh, It's one, if you remember, if you were here, Jake, the high school student who sat in his chair backwards with tears coming down his cheeks because he was looking intently into the face of a hurting person who had serious questions about God. And instead of lecturing him and talking to him about how he was wrong and all these other things, he just sat and listened and cried and identified with the pain of the other person. And this image reminds us that through listening, we can communicate God's love, that sometimes it's important to be quick to listen and slow to speak, that sometimes people need more our ear, they need that more than they need our advice. Then last week, we talked about the S in Pulse, which stands for story. And the image I want you to keep in mind from that one is the image that we had on the screens last week. Noel and Marley smiling at each other as they shared with us their stories. If you didn't get to see that video, it's on our website. I strongly recommend you go see it. Because through that week and through that image of them on the screen together, we can remember that our stories are powerful And that through our stories, we can communicate to people the reason for the hope that we have. And if we want to share God's love, they're one of the most effective ways to do that. Well, I hope you've been practicing these four things as we've talked about this. And I hope that you will continue to practice them even as the series ends. Because though the series is ending, the heartbeat of the church continues. And so I hope you will continue to do those and... The E, what we're going to talk about for the rest of our time today. The E stands for engage. And if you were to have one image in your mind from today, I would have it be an invitation. Uh, Because today is all about inviting other people to engage in the life of faith. It's about inviting people to engage in the community of faith. And, you know, we give invitations for so many things in our world, for weddings, for birthday parties. Um, We give invitations to follow friend or like us online. We give invitations to go to a movie or a concert or some other event. And some of you, perhaps some of you today, have invited somebody to also come to church with you. 
And if you've invited people to come with you, I want to encourage you, keep doing it. Because we want people to know about God's love for them. We want people to know about his mercy. And if you haven't ever invited somebody to come with you, there's no better time to start than today. I want to encourage you to take that opportunity to look for people to invite, to engage in the life of faith. Our passage today highlights the power of an invitation and just how much it can do. We're going to read a passage in John chapter 1, and in this story, John the Baptist, another John, looks and sees Jesus, and he points him out, and he says, look, the Lamb of God. And there's two of his followers who were with him at that time, and then they want to follow Jesus as a result. And here's what happens. We're going to read John chapter 1, beginning in verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, that is the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. I love the simplicity of this invitation at the end. Come and see. Nathanael had some serious reservations about this man that Philip was telling him about. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth, he asked. It reminds me of what happened when I was interviewing here last year. I'm told that some of the staff heard about me and they said, he's from Idaho? Can anything good come from Idaho besides potatoes? <laughs> well, it's obvious that Nathaniel had some reservations, and he didn't have a high opinion of Nazareth. And this, there's probably at least three reasons for this. The first one was location. What's the first rule of real estate? Location, location, location. Maybe that's the first three rules of real estate. And apparently for Nathaniel, that was the same with the hometown for the Messiah. The, the first rule was location, location, location. And Nazareth was in the region of Galilee, considerably north from Jerusalem, the spiritual center of their universe. And so there's no way that the Messiah would come from a place like that. Then the, another reservation he had was the size of Nazareth. As best we can tell, there were probably just under 2,000 people living in Nazareth at this time. It was small, it was obscure, and there's no way that the Messiah would come from a place so insignificant. But if you think about it from God's perspective, you realize that, well, maybe God planned that so that Jesus could grow up in relative obscurity and, and be kind of below the radar until the right time for him to emerge. 
The next thing for Nathaniel, the next factor into why he wasn't all that impressed with Nazareth was familiarity. He knew the region. He, he was from that region, and he knew the area. He probably knew people from there, and he just wasn't all that impressed with what he knew. So Nathaniel, he didn't think much of this person that Philip had, had suggested he check out, the one that Moses and the prophets had written about. But Philip was wise enough not to argue with him about Nazareth being a nothing town. Instead, he just gave him that simple invitation, come and see. In other words, don't take my word for for it. Just come and check it out for yourself. Look at him, and then you can decide for yourself what you think of this guy. And this simple invitation completely changed Nathaniel's life. He did come and see, and I want to read what happened next. We're going to pick it up in John chapter 1, beginning in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here is a true Israelite in whom there is nothing false. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. And Jesus said, You believe because I saw you under the fig tree? You shall see greater things than that. You know, Nathanael just marveled at the fact that Jesus already knew him, that Jesus had already noticed him. And for him, that was all he needed. I wish it was so simple for most of us. But in that moment, he knew who Jesus was. Something told him that this is the one that they'd been waiting for, and he was prepared to follow him anywhere. This quick turnaround in Nathaniel's life reveals something about stereotypes. It it reveals to us that stereotypes cannot define an individual person. He almost dismissed Jesus because because he was from Nazareth. How many times do we dismiss people because of where they're from or what they look like? So let's remember to do what the L in Pulse tells us to do and listen to other people, to not make snap judgments, and to really listen and care about other people and not buy into stereotypes. Well, after this day, Nathaniel's life would never be the same. He became one of the 12 disciples, just like Peter and Andrew and Philip, the guy that invited him. The man who at first said, can anything good come out of Nazareth, decided to follow that man from Nazareth no matter where it went or where it, what it cost him. You know, if you're going to invite people to engage in the community of faith, you might run into some people like Nathaniel. You might run into some people who say, the church? You want me to go to church? Can anything good come out of the church? Like Nazareth in the first century, the 21st century church has some major stereotypes that people have about us. We're confronted with the the negative experiences that people have had in their past. We're confronted with things that others have told them, things even the media has told them about the church. So our job is not easy. It's not easy to to share God's love in this climate that we have today. 
But I want you to remember who goes with us. God is by our side, and God can break down any barriers that people have. And sometimes, like in this passage, it just takes that simple invitation that come and see. Come and check it out for yourself to get the ball rolling. So let's look for opportunities to invite people to engage in the community of faith, to invite people to come and see. And if we'll commit to this together, just think of the chain reaction that we could set off. There are all sorts of examples of chain reactions in our society, both positive and negative. Perhaps you've seen the satellite TV commercials that that have been running since last year. One of them went something like this. When you have cable and you can't find anything good to watch, you get depressed. When you get depressed, you go to seminars. When you go to seminars, you feel like a winner. When you feel like a winner, you go to Vegas. When you go to Vegas, you lose everything. And when you lose everything, you sell your hair in a wig shop. Don't sell your hair in a wig shop. Farfetched doesn't even begin to describe these commercials and the, the chain of events that lead to them. But they do give us this very funny example of a negative chain reaction. And if you work for the cable company, I'm not promoting one brand over the other. I just want you to know that. <laughs> I simply use it as an illustration. You may also see some of the commercials that are out these days that have the opposite kind of chain reaction, a positive chain reaction, where one person does a random act of kindness and then somebody else pays it forward to another person. A person gives up a chair in a busy room. Somebody sees that and is inspired to then help a woman get off a bus with her stroller and her child. Somebody sees that and they open a door for somebody. And then that person goes and pays for the laundry for somebody else in a laundromat. There's lots of commercials like this that show us positive chain reactions. Well, our passage today gives us an example, a very powerful example of a positive chain reaction in its very beginning stages. It all began when John the Baptist said, look, the Lamb of God. And two people who were with him were inspired to follow Jesus because of his testimony. And then those two people went out and told two more people. And then those two people, Peter and Nathaniel, became disciples, part of the 12 disciples, and they told thousands. Once that chain reaction started, you could not stop it. And we today can be a part of that chain reaction because it is still going on today. If you will decide to invite somebody to come and see that you know, and if your neighbor here today sitting next to you will decide that they're going to invite somebody to come and see, just think of the mini chain reaction that we can set off in the North County. So from today forward, I want to encourage you to be mindful of the people around you Who is it that needs to know God's love? And how might you invite them? At Highlands, we try to offer many different avenues, many different doors to enter the community of faith. Maybe for some people, it's a Sunday morning, and you just say, hey, you got to come and see this place on Sunday morning. 
But maybe that's a little too intense, and so maybe a worship night on a Sunday evening would be a little bit easier. Or maybe that doesn't work either, and so you say, I just want to invite somebody to come to one of our social events. Maybe they're going to volunteer with me at football camp, or maybe their kids can participate in football camp. Or maybe we can go to that barbecue and and invite some friends to come along to the summer barbecue in July. Or maybe you want to say, I want to invite somebody who really cares about our community to come and serve alongside our church. And if that's you, I want you to know that in the fall, we are planning a day where we're going to come here on a Sunday morning. We're going to sing like one or two songs out on the lawn, and then we're going to go out and serve our community together. We're going to have projects for everybody. And maybe that's the kind of thing that you say, hey, I would love to invite somebody to come and see the church in action like that. Choose the event or the thing that is the easiest for that person to take that first step into the community of faith and just say, come and see. Make sure that they know that we're not perfect here. Um, make sure that no, they know that no perfect people are allowed at Highlands. Um, one, because we want them to have realistic expectations of who we are. But we also want them to know that they are welcome here even if they are not perfect. And then find a way to invite them. Maybe it's face-to-face. Maybe you are going to call them on the phone and invite them. Maybe it's through social media and you're really connected that way. And so you can post a link to something that's going on at Highlands and say, Hey, come and see. Come check this out with me. Or maybe you can go old school and you can send a letter in the mail those, those are really great. So let's share God's love by inviting people to come and to engage, by inviting people to come and see. Let's set off a chain reaction of changed lives for the glory of God. Please pray with me. Lord, we are so grateful for your love for us. We're grateful for your forgiveness for the way that you transform our lives. So Lord, help us to share that love with the people around us. Help us to find our pulse. Help us to be aware of our pulse each and every day. Even though this series is ending, you continue to call us to go, to go out. Help us to do that in the power of your spirit. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. This has been a presentation of Highlands Church. Helping de church people become more fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us at highlandsadventure.org.